This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Welcome back. Lola here. This next guest will have you in stitches. Olivia White or House of White on Insta is a super mum and she opens up about her not so perfect pregnancy and her not so perfect giving birth experience. She talks about the challenges of social media and copycats And she's also a bit of a goober like I am. She loves Disneyland and The Lion King. So we cover a lot of topics. I hope you get a huge laugh and I hope you're smiling as you listen to this podcast. Thank you so much, Liv. You are a legend. Oh, we're live. (laughs) Hello. So I am so, so excited for you to meet the wonderful, I call you Liv, but the wonderful Olivia. You're Olivia. Yeah, but everyone calls me Liv. Well, and when people call me Olivia, I'm like, they either don't know me or they don't like me. Good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I like you and I know you, so I'm calling you Liv. Well, in my phone, you're Liv House of White. I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> so for those of you that don't know Liv, she's one uh, F an incredible human being. You can swear, by the way. We didn't touch oh, on that fuck. just then. <laughs> She's already dropped it. I, I, I figured it. if I was on a Lola Berry podcast that there would be swearing. Yes, yes. There's a lot of <laughs> You're so, so welcome to all that I say is just be real, have fun. And we are celebrating failures because I think that Instagram, you know, not as much YouTube, but like especially Insta, it's like a highlight reel. Facebook. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all just the good shit that happens. No one really talks about the tough stuff, and I think what I love about you is you're such a young mama bear. You got yeah. two little bambinos, yes, Annabella and Teddy. Yes. Um. So, I guess I when I first, well, not when I first met you, but when we had our first date. Do you remember? Yeah, it was when you were launching your burgers. <laughs> the first time I met you was when you were yeah, launching your burgers. But then we had a date in Sids. Do you remember? We went yes. to Bondi Whole Foods. Yes, and remember I'd lost my phone. Yeah, but you were just calm as a cucumber. Teddy was tiny. Teeny tiny. So me and Ted were in Sydney. She had a photo shoot for something and we made our way to Bondi. So I got a cab, left my phone in the cab. That's right. That's right. And then I was early, so I had to go find, I went to a Vodafone and bought like a cheapy phone and then somehow got onto Jez and then I got Jez to message you on Instagram to tell you that I'd lost my phone because I didn't even know where we were meeting. We hadn't even like really made the plan yet. It was like, oh, text you want to get to Bondi. We still made it work. We still made it work. Oh, we had little raw treats together. I remember. They were amazing. They were, weren't they? That was a good little day. That was a great, that, so that's my, that would be, I want to say five years ago. Well, how old's Ted now? Four. Yeah. So it'd be about four years ago now. Yeah. So she's nearly turned four. So yeah. 
But I, but like we, I think it was probably a good six months before then that we'd actually like yeah, the grilled yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So I was pregnant then. You were, and she, I remember thinking, fuck, she's got the best hair, great <laughs> lashes, all these amazing. I'm looking at you now. I'm like dishevelled from yoga. You look fucking great. Ah, uh, no, but thank you. <laughs> and I saw you yesterday. You were at a like fitness campaign thing, and I'm like, hot damn, girl, that bod. I must admit that I was totally feeling myself in that active wear. Hence all the stories and the twerking. So good. I'm all about a high-waisted pant. Oh, yeah, no, they were really good. They were oh. they were a good high-waisty sucky uni. So for people that don't know you, you are a very, oh, very busy, talented, can I say you're like a mumpreneur? Is that the word? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mum there's all these like labels these days, I guess. But you've but... won awards for that, haven't you? Or yeah. been, yeah. That's very kind of you <laughs> to chuck that in there. <laughs> One thing that I'm not good at is like, sitting and enjoying and like celebrating yeah. like my own sort of so I get really awkward when people are like oh you've done this and you oh I'm gonna well. make it awkward for you then I'm gonna say all these great things you've done I know because they're all just like for me it's just like I still sit there and be like did that really happen mate you travel to like Disneyland and like just live the dream that's what it feels like and I'm like I want to know, question, how many pairs of business class Qantas PJs do you own? Well, do you know what the funny thing is, is that most of them I have acquired. Through friends. Same with me. No, not even through friends. Through my children on long haul flights. Yep. So my kids just like know how to play it on a plane, right? And then like halfway through a flight. They'll be like, oh, your kids are so well behaved. Do you want them to come up to the flight deck here? Have some Qantas pajamas. Oh my god. I'm I've literally right now. only flown business class twice, and that was to and from the last time I went to America with my points. Yeah, so good. And and I scammed extra pairs. You lucky bugger. Yeah, a friend, that's how I've got my most recent pair. A friend goes, I just scammed you these, and they yeah. they'd ask for an extra pair. Because for you're me. in business, they'll give you whatever you want. So you'll be like, they'll hand you a pair and you'll be like, oh, you've given me the wrong size, and they'll just give you another pair. And then you'll be like, can I get a pair for my and they're like, uh, yeah, sure. And then, I'm like, they're not for my husband. I just hand them out to my girlfriends. Oh, my goodness. Because so, they're the comfiest things. Any. I digress, though. <laughs> You're amazing. So you've got a massive Insta following. You're constantly creating content, whether it be like budgeting plans, saving plans. You're all about, I feel like your whole shtick is about helping other yeah. young mums. Yeah. And kind of general. like helping, sharing the way in which you navigate being a young mum, yeah, like you're renovating your home, like you're just a little go-getter, but you're like, you're young, you're hot, you're, you're, you're A-type you're personality. Me, oh, so A-type. So you've always got something on the go. Yeah. Like down. we've been here for 20 minutes just chatting about like managers and all these other like, yeah. you're helping me. <laughs> I'm just like, shit, like we don't. You, I know, we better start this podcast. <laughs> we, but we don't, you, you're a little go-getter. And I think that. From what, if people follow you on Instagram and if you don't, please follow House of White because one, entertainment factor, two, dancing and wine, I'd say <laughs> yeah. is a current theme. Yeah, I think I'm most known for the dancing and the cat that is not mine. And do you know what else I love? <laughs> Your husband, Jez, he's on like, is it F45? He's drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Oh, mate, he has drunk the Kool-Aid. Like he's a part of the cult. And so now he doesn't want to eat, I saw a story, he doesn't want to eat bread. And you're like, well, I don't know that I can be married to you anymore. I'm like, I'm going to have to leave with the kids in the middle of the night with the bread. (laughs) This is what I love though. You don't really go bang on about dieting or anything like that. Obviously I'm a nutritionist, so I totally fall into patterns of dieting all the time. In fact, I have a reasonably unhealthy habit 
every now, if I get stressed out, I'll be like, I'll just die. Like it's a yeah. coping mechanism. Yeah. But you're just like, I love chicken nuggets. Yeah. And and I love <laughs> that about you. Like, so I, I think what I'm trying to say is you're a very successful entrepreneur, influencer as well, I would say, as part of what you do or part of the way in which you spread your message. Yeah, definitely. And you're the real deal, which I love, which is why we're here today. But this is a podcast about failing or fucking up or feeling like you've fucked up. And the reason Mm. why that's the theme is because I think they're the lessons and then when we grow the most, they're the times where we go, oh, actually I'm stronger than I thought I was. Yeah, hands down. So when um, you texted me some ideas about what you'd be comfy talking about with failing, the first one, and I was like, fuck. Because I met you already a mama bear, yeah. I didn't get to see what you went through with pregnancy, post that first birth, like mm-hmm. go for it, share. Well, I guess for me like that was probably the, like you said, being a young mum and it took me a really long time to realise that I was a young mum because I'm 30 now and I have a almost six-year-old as my eldest and most of my still friends still don't, have, still don't have babies. Yes, so I don't. I'm I older back than you. And I guess because I measured it based on the time that I'd been with Jez, we've been together since I was 15, that by the time we had babies, it had been like eight years for us, but I was still very young. I had no friends that had babies, never held a baby. I never babysat when I was younger. I literally didn't know what the fuck to do with one. So even, you know, falling pregnant, and going through pregnancy, like I just had no idea and I fucking hated it. Like it was awful. And you kind of, it came so unexpected because now in the age of social media, like six years on, I feel like it's a really common theme. You know, there's heaps of people in my space, you know, sharing their stories and all that kind of stuff. But at that time there was really nothing um, unless you, you know, you went into Google forums and, you know, went down that rabbit hole. But um, there really wasn't anything openly accessible. And I think people think, oh, you're pregnant, what a gift. And it is on one side. Yeah. But I remember when I had my yoga prenatal training, they were like, the first thing they said is a lot of women hate being pregnant and they yeah. feel like there's an alien inside them. They feel yeah. like they're getting fat. They feel yeah. like they're losing yeah. who they are as a human being. Absolutely. And for me being like, I mean, obviously Jess and I had been together for a really long time. We'd just gotten married about six months before. We'd bought this house. Um, I had been made redundant from a job, so I was in a new job. So I'd just started a new role. And all of, because Jess is older than me, all his friends were getting married and starting to have babies. So we sort of thought that was like the next thing. But we didn't really actually think about it. We just thought, oh, yeah, you know, we'll have kids in the next couple of years, thinking that like it would take a long time. And then it didn't. And then we were like, fuck like and we yeah. just bought this house so it was a huge like what the fuck moment because you know I had a new job but we didn't really have Jez had so how old were you here I was 23 when I oh, felt pregnant yeah so like Tiny. not young young yes that's like, young young that's still young, young. like I hadn't finished uni um because I was like one of those yo-yo uni people like I would be like start a course and then start a different course what did you start so originally I did primary education and then I realized I fucking hate other people's kids <laughs> And then, so then that was like a big no-no. And then I started doing uh, marketing. So I did like a TAFE course that ran into a uni course and then I moved here. So I changed unis and then I changed my major and like, because I was working and that was more important to me because I wanted money. And yeah, I just like never got around to finishing. But at the end of the day, like really, 
It, oh. you know, it's one of those things. It's like fucking. No one cares about what piece of paper you've got. People no know way. You can do the job. It's so good to hear that though, because I think a lot of people, and even some, there is still that like, finish school, go to uni, get yeah. the career, make the money. Like, there's that and old it, way. But the, the one thing that I have found, the one thing I learned from that, and a lot of things I've done in my life, is that I never really knew what I wanted to do. So it's been trial and error for me. I like, like that though. I think it is I just for everyone. Try something. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And then you can be like, right, that's not for me. Move on to the next thing. Like, Is it like a feeling you get if it's not working? You're like, ah, oh, this feels a bit not right. Yeah, or you have an expectation it's going to be one thing and then you start. Like when I did primary education, I was like, oh, this is not what I thought. This is not how yeah. I remember my prep. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously like going back to like, you know, falling pregnant and stuff like that, <laughs> I guess it was one of those trial and error things, but you can't really fucking back out yeah. of it. <laughs> This is true. This is true. So, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we we get married and we're like, oh, yeah, that didn't change shit. Like getting married means fuck all, let's be honest. Like I've it's got a fun his party. Night. Yeah, you know, and we ended up having, we got married at our engagement party as a surprise because oh, I love when that. I started planning a wedding, I was like I would compare how much shit cost to the equivalent of the holiday you could get for that amount of money. So because I love to travel and it's like one of my passions, like I absolutely love it, I'd be like, okay, the cars are going to cost us $2,000, like the limos or whatever. And I was like, I could fucking get to Thailand for that. Or like, yeah. you know, or you, and I'm like to myself, I'm like, I have to pay how much money for other people to come and eat at my event? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to me, it like just it wasn't for me that whole show. It just felt like it was for other people. So in the end I just went, fuck it, I want to do it. Like that's not what it means to me. And, yeah, so we we got married at our engagement party. It was the best thing we ever did. I spent more at my 30th birthday party than I did at my engagement Amazing. At my wedding because, <laughs> you know, it, was, it wasn't for me all that stuff. The celebration, yes, and the having our friends there with us, yes, but the money in the showbiz, no. And then, of course, then we fell pregnant and it just wasn't what I expected. Um, I put on a fuck ton of weight with Annabelle, yeah. um, nearly 32 kilos, which is a lot when you only weigh... 58 to yeah, start with. Yeah. Um, I've always had. I don't feel like half a, another human, adult human being. Yeah. And, you know, everyone tells you all the beautiful sides of it and you're just like, you know, hairy and sweaty and smelly and like it, you're just like, what the fuck? And I worked in a bank at the time in a customer-facing role and for some reason when you work in a role like that and you obviously like you see how much money people have and all that kind of stuff, they think that it means that they can just unload and tell you everything about their life. So he, I just couldn't deal with people. Like I couldn't deal with being in a customer-facing role and pretending like I gave a fuck because I just didn't. I just yeah. didn't want to be there. Yeah. I was, you know, I was fat, I was grumpy, I was hungry, I was smelly, I was sweaty, all of those things. Did you get cravings? Uh, not really, not to the extent that some people talk about like, oh, I just have to eat like this. Like I had a friend that just had to have pink yogos all the time. Pink yogos? What are pink yogos? You know, like the, like the yogo oh, sort of like puddings. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. She had to have the pink yeah. ones all the time. <laughs> they don't even make them anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, imagine if like. That's my mum was pickles, you know, like gherkins. A lot of people, it's a salt. Yeah. So usually your cravings are tied to something that you're actually needing like yeah, in your body okay. and stuff like that apparently. Um, and then, yeah, just like I stopped work at like 30 weeks because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah. And then um, going into like birth and everything like that, I think I knew like I had this inkling in my mind that it was not going to 
I didn't have a plan, which was probably good, um, but it wasn't going to be textbook. Um, I always carried really high. I never had that pressure on my bladder and stuff like that some women talk about, like Mm -hmm. constantly needing to pee, and it was because she never engaged. So technically like there's the whole like, yeah. sort of engage there. Like she just loving this, loving this visual um, <laughs> demonstration <laughs> like you're giving me. My <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing. And um, <laughs> uh, on my due date they were like, we're going to induce you because um, I was starting to get like a rash all over my body. It's called pups and it was like this hot rash all over my body and um, they're like, all right, we're going to have to induce you. Like that's sort of like an overproduction mm-hmm. of the hormones causing mm-hmm. that. Went in on the Friday night. They gave me the gel. By Saturday I was getting a few contractions but not much. And then by the Sunday I'd had like three lots of this gel. So I've technically been in sort of like the first stages of labour for nearly three days. I'm getting um, oh contractions God. but I've only dilated to like three centimetres. So it's like. Are you sleeping still? No, you, because oh. when you're in a hospital, you're attached to machines. There's beeping, there's bonging, there's people checking on you. I've oh. got the monitor around me because when you get induced, you've got to have that thing. Yeah. So I'm not sleeping or anything. I've smashed like 300 levels of Candy Crush. Like then they're like, all right, we're going to put the, the drip in. And usually when you get the drip, it's it's a matter of minutes. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like before okay. it's really intense. Yeah. Anyway, they put the epidural in, they give me the the drip. And 10 hours later, I'm still going. So I'm getting fully intense contractions oh and I'm just not getting anywhere. Random side question, did the epidural really hurt? I've heard that. Um, or is it just like by that stage you're like getting it? It depends. In? So there's a difference between an epidural and a spinal. Um, epidurals, when they put it in and it stays in and yeah. it's continually administered to you, that's what I had. Yeah. And I had a really good anaesthetist. So he got it first time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that don't get it first time, you can Pain. feel it and it's fucked. Yeah. With a spinal. Yeah. Because that's like a giant needle that goes yeah. in between your vertebrae. In between your vertebrae. Yeah. You fucking feel that one. I, if I think about it, I can <sighs> still feel it to this day and it makes me cringe. Oh, so you have had one the other way as well. With Teddy, spine. I had a spinal, yeah. So <sighs> that that's fucked up. Um, that but, scares me. The epidural <laughs> scares me more than Epidural is fine. And because um, subsequently in the end I got rushed in for emergency caesarean, they didn't have time to do a spinal, so they to just top up your epidural. Yeah. So there's a difference. Um, so this is, we're talking about Annabelle here first. Yeah, go. yeah. Okay, so yeah. by this stage, I'm 56 hours into labour. Her heart rate um, starts to drop. It just all happens very quickly. But in that three-day lead-up, right, they just let me fucking labour, knowing I wasn't progressing, not talking to me about my options, not feeling like I had options, like – and because I'm so young and I didn't know and I didn't, you know, I'm in a public hospital, um, like all that control was taken away from me. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know. That's quite scary. Like that's building fear. Absolutely. And then to be told, all right, at midnight, like you just whisked into into surgical. I'm so tired by this stage. I vomited on the table because, like, they're obviously topping up my epidural. Oh. They couldn't. So, like, when they cut me open, she was stuck because I'd been laboring for so long, but she didn't actually fit. She sort of got into this contorted space. So like I had someone at the top here pushing down to try and get her Ah. out. So like she was fully stuck and she started actually screaming before they got her out because they just couldn't get her out. And so I've got people pushing as people running around. No one's telling me anything. Like Jez just looks like... Oh, yeah. yeah It'd like, be yeah, mortifying. I reckon it'd be almost more mortifying for the husband having to see that. Yeah, and like... 
Um, obviously like when you, you have the sheet up and stuff and he's like, I made the mistake of looking at it because they technically have to pull organs out of the way to get in there. So like you've got organs like sitting out around like while they try and get this baby out. And then once they sort of got her out, I just passed out because I'd been awake for like three or four days and I didn't really get to hold her. I didn't really get to spend time with her and have that sort of moment where, you know, they latch and you get to, because it's the middle of the night. I'll send you a photo actually of yeah. that they took of us um, just sort of like moments after we had her and both of us looked dead. Yeah. Like I don't I don't even look recognisable because I'm so puffy because I've just like I've literally been labouring and had shit pumped into me for four or five oh, days. Oh, my goodness. And then I think that that whole experience and what came after that, like I never really realised I guess how much it affected me until recently um, Annabelle started school this year and I really fucking struggled, really struggled to the Letting point where go. I'd be crying in the car. I didn't want her going. It's such a huge chunk of time and it hit me out of nowhere and it, my the start of this year was really fucking tough for me. Um, one, because of that, and two, my Saturn return happened this year. Oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> so I can talk just, to you about that till the cows come home. So, yeah, anyone who, who knows about that knows that it's been a fucked up year for me, Very a lot to learn this year, but I started seeing a psychologist this year and, Oh, yeah. I didn't know what was causing my anxiety or this attachment issue and just all of a sudden one session she's pulling all this stuff out of me and we sort of really got back to it, comes back to that whole birth trauma and yeah. that experience I had with her of yeah. feeling out of control and feeling like she was taken from me against my will. Yeah, and you didn't get that first mum-bubba yeah. oxytocin bond It was all taken away. away from me. I never had any say or any control over it and that's how her going to school feels for me. Yeah. Because it's like she's in someone else's care. She's um like... The whole school yeah. thing kind of gets me a bit. I'm like, I understand why people homeschool because it's like you've got to have them there at a certain time. You've got to pick them up at a certain time. They've got to, they have to learn. It's a bit militant, their, isn't it? It's very militant. Yeah. And I yeah. never thought I'd be that parent. But it all comes back to that birth trauma uh, and those first few days because um, obviously having a Caesar, you know, you're supposed to stay in hospital for a bit of time because it was an emergency, like they had to, like I've got a scar probably four or five times bigger than what normal people have because she got stuck and they had to cut pretty much hip to hip. Um, I remember on the second day they're like, you need to rest. And I was like, I just want to hold her. Like I just want to have her. She was in the nursery and they're like, no, you need to rest. And like I got, like I reckon it was like a psychotic episode basically and they ended up sedating me. Oh, my God, that's like the worst story ever. Yeah, it was like being in a psych I was, I was treated like I was in a psych ward. And, they like, I know it was because obviously like I was recovering from like yeah. a really – Traumatic um, experience. Yeah, and it's major surgery and... I think oh, that's what people forget. And you know what? I had actually forgotten this happened until I talked to my psychologist. So I very really like would really talk to people in depth about my birth experience. Mm. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, I was in labour for this long and then it ended up in thing and I'd actually forgotten that the next day that I'd basically had this psychotic episode where I was going psycho at the nurses and I'm like, I just want her, I just want to hold her, I just want to have her and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just want to fucking leave, let me leave. And they sedated me. Also, understandably though, like any think about like you're a mom. Yeah. Like our intrinsic value is to look after the humans we create. Yeah. So like, yes, you were having a, like a, an, emo, an emotive kind of reaction. but. Yeah. So you should have been. Your fucking baby was taken from you, and or at least that's what you felt and probably that's, thought. And that's and that's exactly it. And then of course, 
we had a really turbulent time with breastfeeding and I do yeah. I do think that was because I didn't really get those first few days with her. Totally. And I ended up leaving early. I left after the second day. So um, I had her on the, like I guess, the Monday morning at like 1am and I left the Tuesday afternoon. No, the Wednesday afternoon, sorry. Um I was just like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. But then I didn't have any visitors for nearly two weeks because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. Like, and I was trying to, you know, you know, this new person and me who's effectively a new person and all this shit, I'm recovering from major surgery and that traumatic experience, I'm trying to breastfeed. I just felt so out of control mm. and so anxious that I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to fake it to anyone. Mm. Like if someone rocked up, if you'd have come over like, you know, the next day, I'd have just been like, oh, this is fucked. Like, oh, yeah. But I don't think you're alone in that. Like I th- No. And I think it's. But I didn't know that at the time yeah. because you and think. And you're so little. Like I'm 33. This happened for you 10 years ago. The person I was at 23. Yeah. I had a massive eating disorder. There's no way I could have thought about bringing another human being into the world. Yeah, and I definitely, I think back to myself as a person at 23, I was still finding myself. I was still trial and erroring a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you have this idea, this whole, I guess, myth that is created around motherhood and how it's meant to be and how you're supposed to enjoy it and, you know, the highlight reel like you talk about. Um, it took me a good fucking two, three years to even settle into it, I think, in all yeah. honesty. Um, two things I want to ask you. First of all, thanks for being really open about having a therapist because I'm very passionate and I know you know oh, I'm passionate about mate, having a therapist and I've, I think it's game yeah. changer. Yeah. Um, the fact that you <clears> can <throat> even know that that was such a traumatic experience and it's no uh, idea. would have had an effect. But it's so good that you've had someone to unpack that with. Five understand and a half it. years that it has taken me to, yeah, to talk to someone about, to realise that it was a thing, to acknowledge that, you know, it doesn't matter how your birth goes, you know, it's an individual experience. And I think that I, while I acknowledged that, yes, I definitely had pre and postnatal anxiety and depression, I never realised where it stemmed from. I never realised, like, when I had Teddy, I was like, I'm fucking having a plan, Caesar. And I was just like, I'm taking control. Yeah. Like I knew that much. And I had an obstetrician that was very fucking pushy. She's like, you know, you can have a feedback. And I'm like, I will fucking find a new obstetrician. Just cut me open and take her out. And because it was I, the obstetrician yeah. I had with Annabelle had retired by this stage. Yeah. This was a new one. And I just remember that when I finally had Teddy and she, I had the plan Caesar, so much better, by the way. Like yeah. the difference between an emergency Caesar and a plan Caesar, it was a fucking breeze. Like yeah. I recovered like that. Um, she was like, oh, yeah, no, she wasn't going to fit. And I'm like, fucking listen to me, bitch. Like, Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, so you were right. Like, yeah, I was right. Like I was going to end up with a Caesar anyway. But you're that- a very small human too. Like that's the other thing. We forget that like on a physiological level, are yeah. your hips right? Is your pelvis right? Like, yeah, they literally so they things. said they're like they just didn't didn't shift. Like there was just literally none. It doesn't matter yeah. how big or small your babies are. And with Teddy, it's funny because I talked to my therapist about it. She says, oh, you know, and how are you with your second birth, your daughter? And I said, oh, Teddy's fine. Teddy can fucking look after herself. Like I've never yeah. got it. But it's with Annabelle I've got that because of that that birth experience. And, yeah, like I'm still – I still see my psychologist now. Like I pretty much see her on a regular basis. Same. Even if – Shit's like, good. It's, it's not situational yeah. anymore. I remember coming to one of your events and you were talking about how especially for people in my space and your space, this media and entertainment space, that you pretty much just need it as a part of your toolbox to actually just unpack and deal with the world of like social media and this constant like 
access people have to you. But then also in my personal life as well, like um, Jez and I now see a relationship. Yeah. But yeah we, we go see a, a couples counsellor. Awesome. Not because anything's wrong. No. But because we've been together for 15 years, it's like, I think we've done pretty good to get through this whole 15 years. And for us, it's just like a check-in. Yes. Because so much has changed. We were babies. You know, we met when we were fucking both going off and doing drugs. Like we've been with each other since we were in school, since we had no money. We've been through so many failures with each other. We've had babies. We've done this. We've done that. I think to get through all of that. I said, I think I said in the same talk you're referring to, I say like a therapist is like gym for your brain. Yeah. But I think to a couple, like if you want to be the best couple that you can be, I think yeah. therapy, like that's something. Relationship like, health is just as important. Oh, me and my boyfriend talk about it all the time. We're like, we're blissfully in love, but we're yeah, like. The honeymoon stage. Yeah, yeah, but we're like. Even sometimes Matt's like, do you, do you ever want me to come to one of your sessions? And I'm like, yeah. what a legend to be so open. And I understand. And I think that that's where people hear the word therapy and think there's something either wrong with you or you've got it, you're in a situation, like you said, there's a situation, but it doesn't need to be. It can be like, hey, I just want to be the best fucking version of myself. So Hands I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to yoga or whatever you do that makes you feel good. It's continual improvement. There's no one totally. on this earth who could say they don't need to improve because there's always something like, yeah, you know, oh. up, even if you're in your 95, do you know what I mean? You can, it's, if you're not constantly moving forward, then what the fuck are you doing? Totally. And you don't have to know, like you don't have to know totally. what the, the goal is or the end game yeah. is with it. Like, you know, for us, one thing that I've taken away, like I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. Um, and obviously going to see like a relationship counsellor with Jez, um, they give you really good exercises on untapping things you might not have untapped. And one of them that I'm really excited to do is doing something together that neither of you are good at. So like, you know how, like, for example, you're really good at yoga, right? So like you could get Matt to come along and do that. But of He's course you're going to be better than <laughs> me at yoga and it's so annoying. Well, the thing, <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's always someone who's got an advantage. But yeah. so um, when the weather gets a bit better, we're going to go play golf because oh neither God. of us know how to fucking play Amazing. golf, right? And Amazing. both of us like we do you know what I mean? Because Can you, you send me to, videos of that, please? Because why, you just get to do something together, but also an extension of that um, is do something together that scares you. So yeah. Skydiving? Um, Are you yeah, going to go skydiving? I don't, I don't know because it really brings out in people like that whole trust and nurturing mm-hmm. thing and it's a really good way to tell. Like say, for example, you did go do something like that where it was a fear but then the person like wasn't supportive and you didn't feel like that might be a reflection of your relationship. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's amazing the oh, stuff I like that I've this. taken away from going to see. And like in our first session, we they sort of, it was like a get to know you and it, we talked about like the things that first drew us to each other and just hearing oh. that from each other, like that was 15 years ago and hearing how he felt when he first met me and hearing like him hearing what I felt, you know, with him, like it was really cool. Yeah, Like I honestly Kicking reckon magic. that. For any couple, no matter how happy you think you are, oh, it's just. I, I, I'm so glad that you shared that because yeah. I think, yeah, I just think it's actually an integral part of being a good human being. Hands mental down. and mental, psychological health and just being able to unpack shit. Well, and no two people are the same and so I feel like, you know, being able to understand how he expresses because with men it's always a lot more in their actions than it is in their words. Yeah, and, totally. 
just being able to, yeah, unpack that, understand that, you know, understand how, you know, the the languages of love and all that kind of stuff. I think it's fascinating. And same with seeing my therapist. Like sometimes I go and I'll talk to her about stuff and I'll be like, this is the most fucking trivial shit ever but I'm like I pay you to listen to this and you think that it's valid do you know what I mean like I, it's like they it's even the trivial ones like even I'll be like I'll say to my boyfriend I'll be like I've got Terry today I don't know what we're going to talk about I feel pretty clear I'll come out and I'll be like oh my god I just bawled my eyes out and I did not expect that to be happening that's and, what happens to me yeah and but or you'll walk away from one that you're like I've got all this I want to work on this thing this week and I'm feeling shit about my body image whatever it is and yep. You don't even talk about like I walked out the other day and his and my boyfriend Matt's like oh what's chocolate as Terry I was like we visualized me being a panther <laughs> and he was like cool and I'm like no seriously I'm going to start researching panthers and I did and anytime I'd see like the sign for like a or I'd, I I was like I don't know if I'm going to be a panther or a jaguar and then I drove past like jaguar cars <laughs> I was like yes I'm a jaguar anyway it like we go down my guy's also a hypnotherapist so we go right down rabbit holes. I want to ask you because you are so much more courageous than me and brave than me when it comes to body image stuff. Yeah. You post the most amazing stuff about your body post post bubbers. Yeah. Um all over social media and I look at it and I'm like, "Oh my god, you're fucking amazing." And I think I just put fire fire emojis whenever I see you do it. <laughs> I love it. But I know I couldn't do it. Yeah. I know that like um I still I still struggle with my body image every day if I'm if I'm being completely honest. So like can you share your body image? I think that's the thing and that's the myth sometimes is like when you share it like for me sometimes when I share those images and especially like one sort of one that went viral that I shared yes. I think I was like a week after having Teddy is that that was an unintentional photo, first of all. You like, told me that. Yeah, my it's um, Jez's cousin. She's a photographer. She's amazing. She'd done my um, my pregnancy ones that I did yeah. with Teddy. They went viral they as well. They were beautiful. And she came over to take like lifestyle pictures with her and we just happened to take that and it was actually one that she gave to me after she'd given me all the photos. And I just remember seeing it and even though like I look at it and I was like, you see all the things that you don't like, I was like, you know what, I'm going to share this. And I think that for me, what it really stemmed from was as a as a kid and growing up, um, I never had any body image issues. Like you said, I've never dieted ever in my life. Um, That's amazing. My mum always instilled, it's not that my mum, you know, people always ask me like, where does it come from? And mum was a single mum and she was always, you know, we're very close and she's always been extremely supportive. But when I actually think back to it, it's not like my mum was like, oh, body, body positive. I mean, she definitely is. Um, but your mum's incredible side note. I have been lucky enough to meet her a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Is that mum always encouraged me to be active. So from a young age, I did ballet. I did like, I was the kid that was like every season changing sports. Right. So mum would have me, you know, at 10, whatever I wanted to do, she would support yeah. it. And I think that through instilling this, um, need to sort of be active, it made me appreciate my body. And what my body could do. So, you know, dancing for so long um, and from a young age, I think I developed like a lot of muscle memory. So like I've any sport that I've sort of like picked up, you know, I've loved and I've sort of, you know, been relatively good at. But that was it. Like it was mum, mum never dieted herself. There was never a focus on eating. Like um, mum was a smoker for a really long time. And so when she gave it up, 
Um, she did gain quite a bit of weight from that, but she never was like, do you know what I mean? Mum's always been active and been healthy, so she's never put a focus on how she looked yeah. um, in that assimilation to like, you know, That's food so and powerful stuff like though. That. Like what a cool mum. Yeah, and I just think that it was actually a read between the lines thing in just the way that she was. So, you know, she, even though, yeah, you know, she later in life, you know, did gain a bit of weight, she still went to the gym. She still ate what she wanted to eat. Like it was always, yeah, just there, if you know what I mean. I think you've just shared something really important. Healthy isn't skinny. No. Healthy can be a size 14, 16, 18. That's, that's, that can be someone's health. Exactly. It's it's how you feel and I think that that's what mum really sort of like I guess instilled in me. So then when I did fall pregnant, like I was always one of those people that was skinny and could eat anything um, but I always remained relatively active. Like I ran and I went to the gym and even as a teen and stuff like that. Um, so when I fell pregnant, gaining that much weight and then hating it and hating my body and being really hard on myself, I feel like that was a failure for me to myself of like letting that anxiety cripple me because that's what it was. It was the sense of feeling out of control that I had no control over my own body, that I was completely disconnected from the physical part of myself where I was like, I don't identify with this person. Like gaining that much weight, like I did, I struggled to breathe. I like, I, I felt shit. I physically felt shit and I couldn't do anything about it. And, um, you know, in those months after, you know, carrying that extra weight and just, I just felt so disconnected from myself, both physically and emotionally for so many reasons. And I felt like I really did let myself down. And I think that that's why. So when I was pregnant with Teddy, I was a lot more active. Mm -hmm. Um, And by doing that, I felt so much better. I didn't, I mean, I didn't gain as much weight, but I, I felt better in myself for not carrying all that extra weight and um, I felt more in control. I was going to say you took the control back a I bit. I took the control mm. back a bit because I did. When I was pregnant with Annabelle, I just sat in it and let it take over mm. me. Do you know what I mean? I didn't do anything about it and I let but it you sort were of. you were so young too, like 23. You're just like, whoa, well, what's going you? on? And then you've got, you know, you step on the scales every time you go to the doctors and they make you feel shit like, well, you're gaining a bit too much weight. Fuck off, mate. Like, oh, God. And I'm like, no, I don't want to step on scales when I'm pregnant. Like, So literally since I had Annabelle, I never stepped on scales when I was pregnant with Teddy. I've, so I haven't owned scales for six years. Oh, good girl. Because to me that was the point in what I actually realised that it's not about, ha- like it's not about the number that you see on the set of scales, it's how you feel you, in any circumstance. To- totally. I was going to say like just in a regular, normal, non-pregnant human being, <laughs> Muscle weighs four times more than fat. Yeah. So if you're toned and fit and strong, you might be five kilos heavier than when you were skinny fat. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And I think too that, you know, since having Teddy and obviously that image going viral and then from that I had so many people share their own stories Ah. with me, not just around pregnancy but through any relationship they've had with their body. That's why I did that body image project where I got all those women together. Yeah, that was so good. You know, we had people who had experienced eating disorders. We had people that had, um, you know, experienced um, abuse as a child and how that affected their relationship with their body and how they saw themselves like all these different stories uh, that are still housed on the blog. You can go read them and you can go see the video and because everyone spoke their stories as well. Um, and it would just, yeah. And you were all in your undies, weren't you? Yes, yeah. yes. So, um, no, that was that was really good and that was really empowering for me to be able to then help not just share my story but share other people's stories. And it's just, 
it sort of awakened that passion in me and that purpose in me. Um, you know, I guess I feel so privileged living and growing up with the, with the mother that I had yeah. and the role model that I yeah. had. Then sort of going through that time where I felt like I let myself down and effectively let my my mum down and those lessons that she taught me that what can I learn from this and then how can I help other people? And also your kids too. Like I think knowing two little chickens, two little little girls. girls. Because you see how important it is and you see how one one moment in time can set the narrative for your entire life. Oh, absolutely. Like it's amazing that you have such a great relationship with your body post- yeah, the first pregnancy with Annabelle. Like, I think that that's a yeah. You know, I attribute. will get in. I will get in my bathers. I'll get in my bikini. You know, and go to the beach with my girls. And you know, I don't care how I look. And I'll post an image where I might look at it and be like, "Oh, that was a fucking shit angle." But I'm like, you know what? That's what I fucking look like from that angle. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't change it. Yes, it's an unflattering angle, but it's what I look like from that angle. And and we all have those angles. Oh, we all have those <laughs> angles. And um, I think for me it's so important, you know, my, my daughter's nearly six and I see how um, they're just little sponges, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you don't yeah. realise how much they're taking on and they're taking in and, and, you know, she's so aware and I never want to be like, oh, here's your sandwiches, but mummy can't have bread because, you know, mummy doesn't, you know, and then having to explain that to a kid. So I'm just like it's just about being healthy, making healthy choices and having healthy options and, um yeah, not sort of like saying You've, what you can't have, but saying, yeah, you know, this is good for, you know, this is good and um, explaining to kids why and talking to them about yeah. how they feel when they eat those things or when they do those things. And it's more, sorry, it's burped at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I like, oh, can yes. I keep it in? Can I keep it yeah, in? Yeah, Because I'm thinking about food. Our first Because I haven't eaten that. At least it wasn't a fart. <laughs> oh, I'm um, the worst. I'm worried. <laughs> now I've got to cough. Um it's more that we just show our kids through our actions of being healthy and being happy. Totally. That's what my mum did with me. Oh, I can't get it. Like, so I, um, my mum is awesome. Like, I love her. She's quirky as anything. But she was, at my age, a model. Uh, and yeah. And I still remember on Sunday nights would be like junk food night, but mum would make soup for herself. So when you talk about like, oh, mummy has to eat something different. Yeah. Like, you don't realise the subconscious effect that it has. And then me, a young 20-year-old, having a really strong and, – and there's not – I would definitely not say I love my mum. She's freaking awesome and hilarious. But, like, I'm – she's tiny, tiny weenie, like yeah. taller than me, 53 kilos, pinna. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I, I know that I've compared myself to my mum growing yeah. up, you know. I'm like, oh, same genetics, I should be that size. And I'm a pretty small human being too. But because you're comparing, yeah. you don't see that. And I think, like – you're so lucky that your mum was just like, just be active, have fun, be healthy, yeah, be vital. Like I'm getting this, and you're a very vital human being as well. So I think you, I know that you would be imparting this with your girls. I can't believe how fast this is going. And I've got, I really, really want to talk to you about because <laughs> yeah. this. Oh yeah, I'm the worst. You're the best, going. actually. But, so I want to talk because you and I often, when we have like little brekkie dates or coffee dates or whatever dates, yeah. we end up. We don't have enough of them, by the way. This is true. The last <laughs> one I think I was having porridge at that Willow place and you got yes. eggs, I remember. So um, good. So yummy. But the mistakes, I think, Insta, <laughs> you know, like you had a podcast, you are just telling me you fucked up two episodes when you had your own podcast with two people that like 
would be very high-end people to get, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> and, you know, you've got your blog as well and, like, we were talking about, like, and, you know, I hope you don't mind me saying this so you tell me if you want me to cut it, but, like, it happens with me in the book world as well, like copycats. Yeah. So there's so much for all the good stuff that people say, there's so much shit and yeah. there's so much that you've got to navigate and you've got to almost be your own producer and be like, yeah. hang on a minute, you can't do that. Like you're just, and even like we were talking about like signing with managers and all that yeah. kind of thing. Like there, it, it's, it's tough. It's everyone wants something from you and you have a dollar sign on your head. And I think once you know that, you kind of can go into business a bit more business savvy, which you are. So tell me about some of the shit you've learned about these platforms. I think that that's the thing and that's the misconception because I get a lot of people come to me. Like I've been doing it for six years now. I get a lot of people come to me like for advice and help and everyone's like, oh, you're so good at this or, you know, you've been so successful. But they don't realise that I've fucked up like so many times along the way to learn that, like to learn the right way to do something. I fucked it up 10 times. Oh, I wrote to you going, mate, I'm losing all my followers. What do I do? And you're like, <laughs> I'm like, mate, we're all fucking yeah, losing. You're <laughs> like, join the club. Join the, because people are so fickle now, I find with, you know, Instagram and stuff, because it's not what it was six years ago. And you would know this, like you're of the generation that, you know, we probably, you know, pioneered it a little bit. And like, it's one of those things, there's no handbook for it. Because we don't have control of it like Instagram does. We don't own the platform. So they're constantly changing it. So mm. you've got to be adaptive. Um, you know, what worked last year might not work this year. Mm. You're losing followers, all this kind of stuff. But the one thing for me like through building it and, you know, starting things and, and doing things, like there's probably things that I've done that people have completely forgotten about or didn't even realise that yeah. I did because it failed. Like <laughs> So Amazing. like my website, for example, like I've, had multiple web designers wasted thousands. Mm. I'm not joking, thousands mm. of dollars on development for things that never even saw the light of day because, you Same. know, I got the wrong person or I cheaped out or, you know, this, that, the other. Plus web designers are a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and I still to this day do it all myself. My website is me. I've coded you were it, everything. Me that. Yeah, because it was just too fucking hard to handle. So it's cost me time, it's cost me money, you know. And you had to teach yourself as well. Yeah, had how to, to code. Te- teach myself <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And and people don't realise like they want the quick answer to how to be successful but they don't realise that it comes through the failures and the lessons. Like totally. I remember once um, I had, you know, I was getting freelancers at one point to do little things in my website and um, one day I went to my website and I was selling fake Nikes, which was just a page that was flogging fake Nikes and there was malicious code had been put into my website by one of these freelancers yeah, because um, I was using like overseas freelancers. And then I had the very expensive exercise of having to get someone to find the malicious code, get rid of it. And then from that, I learned to have two-factor authentication on like everything. Oh, like wow. So I never got hacked again. So, so that means to make a change, you need to, you need to get Yeah, so like you get the text. So like you yeah. don't just need the password. Yeah. Um, and I've got password protectors. I've got, um, you know, uh, widgets and stuff on my website. I've got um, a password manager on my phone. Like I have every single, you know, but I learned yeah. that the hard way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you see it all the time. People get hacked on Instagram and it's yeah. like that's your moneymaker. So if you get hacked, like you're, you're fucked. screwed. Yeah. Um, other things as well that like, uh, like you were talking about, like with copycats and that, like, I've recently had a really painful experience where my graphic designer, who I'd used since 2016, who had created my entire style guide, like all my documents, how everything looked, the fonts, just everything, someone else has come to that graphic designer, just ripped off everything, Mm. not just how it looks but the content, Mm -hmm. 
And what the fuck do you do? And it looks like you sent me a few <laughs> weeks ago. You were like, do these look the same? And I'm like, isn't it the same? You're like, so that's yours. What does theirs look like? And you're like, I'm like, no, no, this this is them side by side. Yeah. And, you know, it, again, like I didn't have like a, a solid contract in place with the graphic designer. It was a friend of a friend. So then you've got that politics. Then you've got the Instagram politics. It's like, well, at the end of the day, it's just going to be like, you know, who likes this person and who likes that person. They'll see what they want to see. Um, but everyone in our space saw it and I got multiple messages about it. So I knew that people were seeing it and they know. And I guess at the end of the day, what really got me through that was just knowing that, you know, I've done everything the hard way because like, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to do this. I don't know if it's going to be successful. I could be throwing money away, but I'm just going to do it. Right. And so you, you take all the risk and then people just see what's been successful and then they just do that. It's fucking lazy. Mm. Like, let's be honest. Mm. You put all this hard work in for years. You For every one successful thing you've done, there's 10 fails. And then someone just comes along and does the one thing that was successful. And I'm like, well, you have to live with that. You have to live with knowing that you kind of cheated. And yeah. also from that, what I also realised too now is, is that you can replicate something that's been successful, but you can never replicate someone's passion and purpose. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. They get short-term success because yeah. if you're not the real deal, people can people can pick a dingo eventually because if you're an idiot that's going to copy someone yeah. and your ego's too big, there's a lot of ego in our world. Oh, yeah. And if your ego's too big... <clears throat> we were discussing this right before we got on. Uh, if your ego's too big, eventually your ego ego will undo itself. Yeah, you, you are your own worst enemy, I truly believe, and everyone comes undone to a degree because I know for all my content like we talked about with, you know, budgeting and saving and all that stuff, like, you know, I just went to Facebook HQ in San Francisco because I know, I was for years I talked all. about, like, I talk about selling online and um, obviously, you know, market Facebook Marketplace and yeah. stuff like that. You know, they came to me and, you know, I've been in contact with them for such a long period of time because I had, it wasn't a passion for their product, but I had a passion for the meaning behind it, yeah. you know, trying to help women especially young mums and, you know, married couples and growing up with a single mum who got left with a baby and nothing else. Like I know where my passion and my purpose comes from and I know where all this content stems from. You can't replicate that. And, nah. you know, it fucking sucks at the time when, you know, you're like, this is a fucking rip up of exactly. Like we all take inspo from totally. Everybody. No one very, very, it's very uncommon these days in our space that people actually pioneer something like it's the first ever. Totally. So, you know, and, you know, you see it every now and again and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a bit flat because it's the acknowledgement that like you did something that people liked and stuff. But when someone just flat out constantly does it, like not just to you but other people time and time again where it's like just ripping off the successful ideas like and you're like, where's the meaning behind this? Where's the purpose? Like I can see that okay, like is it for fame? Is it for the notoriety? Because I can't see what else there is. I think it's for a fa- people that chase fame for the wrong reason. So if you chase fame for fame yeah. to be recognised or famous or... It's not an end goal. It's just a byproduct no. of things that you do. Like fame is actually not a goal. And it's not lasting. No, it's it, 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 It's so fleeting. It's fake. 
yeah. there's a massive element of it that's not real. And that's why I say if you don't know, and when you said just then you're like, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. When your purpose or in yoga we call it dharma, when your dharma is on point. I was like listening to a Jay Shetty podcast and they were talking about that. I really? Just, I just learned what that is. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like when you're you're living your bliss or your purpose, <laughs> yeah. what your true calling is. Yeah. When you're on point with that, you can feel it. You feel it in your heart. You've spoken a lot today. We haven't talked about it, but you've spoken to intuition quite a bit. Yeah. You've been like, I just had a feeling. I yeah. just kind of knew. That is like your intuition guiding your dharma. Yeah. And I, I, I think I, I like, and I keep it, Matt is amazing. My boyfriend has no ego and he's like, just stay in your lane, Lola. Because I'll be yeah. like, this fuckhead just did this, this oh, and this. Oh, it's so yeah. hard to keep the blinkers on in this yeah. space because yeah. like, I literally have to, uh, you can mute people now, like you don't have to unfollow them. So yeah. like there's people out there that like I feel like I have to stay friends with, but they're not really friends. Like it's, it's like this acquaintance. whole, yeah, it's yeah. like, but you know, I have to like mute them because I'm just like fucking out. Like, and look, there are definitely ones I've unfollowed and I think we've had very similar experiences yeah. <laughs> in our, um, you know, when you've done this for so long, there's a lot of people that come and go. And yeah, you man. and I have a very uh, similar alignment and I think that's why we get along so well is that um, we are a bit of a, a sucker for a, I don't know, a, not a sob story but like we love to help people because yeah. we don't see it as me helping you prohibits me from opportunities. Totally. Like, it's like, you know, my, you know, my, I'm your oyster, you know, like I'm happy to share contacts with people. I'm happy to put them in touch with people. I'm happy to help them, give them that step ahead. And, you know, people come and go where they'll be like, oh, you know, I, I really struggle because of this or no one's ever going to help me because of that or because I don't have a profile and you help them. And, you know, five, you know, five seconds later, you don't hear from them because, like, you're done. You're expired. Like, yeah. you're, you're not useful anymore. You've given all the help you can give and they're on to the next And thing. that's where I always say you, I'm like, you watch people's, like, mountain rise and then fall. When, yeah. they're, fa- when they're fake, I remember I was friends with someone and they had just become quite famous on a reality TV show years ago and we were sitting having a coffee together and she said, see that person over there? they just recognised me. And I was like, I went home and I cried. Like I know that sounds like a really dramatic response, but I was like mortified and I never saw that person again. I was like, I can't, this feels so wrong yep. to to <laughs> need gratification out of needing to be known by someone. I Like I can't believe how fast this has gone. I have to ask you two more things just really quickly. These are nerdy questions though. Yeah, we both are obsessed it. with The Lion King. Yeah. Who was your favourite character in the new remake? Oh, look, I would have to say it was Mufasa and it was because it was the, the original same. voice. Yeah. And it just. He was wonderful. Just as soon as, you know, he spoke in that first scene with Scar and you, it's such a distinctive yeah. voice. It's like coming um, home. You know, I think that the two movies, you know, seeing it as a child and seeing it as an adult um, impacted me in really different ways. Totally. And I had so much appreciation for the cinematography because obviously it's not real, like that's all CGI. Mm. And um, just what Disney does, do you know what I mean? Like Disney as a whole, I love the world that they create because as a young child growing up with not just The Lion King and it wasn't even just um, isolated to Disney because I love Harry Potter as well, is it creates this world for young minds that um, I immersed myself in so much Mm. that I think it protected me from a lot growing up. Do you know what I mean? Like I grew up with a single mom, you know, my dad wasn't around and um, so I didn't really grow up in traditional circumstances and 
because my mum embraced like my quirkiness and my weirdness and stuff like that and because I, I did, like I immersed myself in these worlds um, that brought me up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were such a huge part of my life and I know that that's not a thing for some people but for me it was. And is that why the working with Disneyland is just such a wonderful like, honestly, you aren't you like, haven't you been, how many so in I the world to, have you been to? So I've only been to the American ones. I go to Japan in a couple of weeks. But oh, my God, you're amazing. My mum took me to Disneyland as a five-year-old and recognising how big that was for a single mum on little to no income um, and just how magical that experience was and then taking my children at the exact same age, the same oh. Disneyland, going on the same ride. I've got goosebumps. I walked into Disneyland last year and I cried. Yeah. I oh. cried happy tears that I was just even there. It is literally the happiest place, place on earth and you would know this. Can we please We're going to go to together. Disneyland together. Okay, we're going to LA. We're going to go because you can't beat the original Disneyland. Oh, yeah. Like, I went to Disney World. Yes. You and did. it is phenomenal. Like yeah. it is next level because it's obviously not just the one park, it's the four parks plus everything oh my else. Goodness. Because you stay, didn't you stay? I stayed in a Disney resort there, oh my and um, they have like all little it. buses running oh, in between. Stop it, stop and it. they've got like Magic Kingdom, which is sort of the same as Disneyland, and then they've got Animal Kingdom, which is obviously very similar to like Lion King and stuff like that. And oh then my they've goodness. got Disney Universal Studios, which is where a lot of Pixar's based out of. So that's where I went for Toy Story 4. And I watched all of these stories every morning. I'd wake up and be like, what's she done? I honestly, so it's really funny because for two reasons, it was actually one of the most amazing things I've ever done in my life. One, I met Tom Hanks and Keanu Reeves. Oh, my God. <laughs> goals, I've, life I've goals. heard Tom Hanks is literally the nicest human in the world. Yeah, he honestly was just amazing. Like there's a video on the Walt Disney Facebook page of my reaction when he walks out. Oh, really? And I look like a 12-year-old. I'm just like, oh, oh my God. Like, it's because incredible. it's Woody. Like, yeah. And I grew up with that and I grew up with Apollo. But also like you know, Forrest Gump. Yeah, you know, the Apollo movie and all that kind of stuff. Like he's just a phenomenal, you know, Philadelphia, all those oh. movies are such corner, like cornerstone content yeah. in my life. But going there by myself, so like my kids are relatively young and I think anyone who didn't know me would be like, that's fucking weird. She went to Disneyland without her kids. But anyone who knew me was like, that makes sense. Like because I have such a connection to it that I now share with my children. Yeah. But going on that holiday by myself, um, I didn't realise was one of the best things for me, especially this year and everything I've been through with Saturn and everything else, <laughs> um, because I felt like I was, like, dating myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people are like, didn't you find it weird being by yourself? I'm like, oh, it's the best. I spent, like, two, three days in that park by myself yeah going on rides by myself, like just doing whatever I wanted by myself, really enjoying my own company and just being like, hey, I'm not that fucking bad to hang out with. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was so good. So I'm very grateful to Disney for that experience because it was ah. not just the going for Toy Story, which was fucking amazing. So but, good. Um, and Americans, like, well, it's not just Americans, it, Australians. Like there's a lot of tall poppy in Australia and I feel like it was yeah. really good to get out of the fucking fish pond. Americans would love you too because you are you are intrinsically Australian. And like they just didn't see me as competition. No, like, and it, it doesn't exist there. How big, how small, everyone just was like, you know, like, like there was oh, just yeah, amazing. So you know, and they, you know, they were so you know, they didn't see it as like, oh, she's gonna fucking cut our bread or No. There's so here. much more opportunity there though. There it is such a bigger yeah, pond. Definitely. Oh my goodness, I'm holding you to our Disneyland date. PS um my favorite ride was the Indiana Jones ride. What's your favorite ride? Oh, and Peter Pan. Oh, I do love yeah, Fighter Peter Pan. That one's good. Um, have you been on Soren? 
No. Oh my God. It's the fucking best. It's so cool. So it's in, so I've only been on it at Disney World. Okay. I, I don't think they have one at Disneyland, but okay. they did just put one in at Disneyland Japan. So you go on it and it's like you are on like a ride through all these different parts of the world. Oh. It's really magical and like you've got this really big screen. Um, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean. That was actually Oh, my God, really yes, cool. that's yeah. amazing. I'm, but I'm a Johnny Depp fan too. Yeah, so apparently like, one time and Disney didn't even know he did it, but during the third movie coming out, he went, you know how there's him there? Yeah. He went and sat there for like half a amazing. day and they didn't fucking know. Amazing. And so I, like I was like that would be now. the best thing ever. Like Johnny Depp's just like sitting there like pretending to be like the fake Johnny Depp. Um, look, I would say that I have a really sort of like, I know that it's like the most boring ride ever, but it's a small world after yeah. all. Because oh no, I'm incredible. When my, me and my mum went on it and she had like the old school video yeah. camera, she has video of her videoing it for like 20 minutes and then turning to the camera and being like, well, it's clearly not a small world after all. Cause this ride's been going for 20 minutes. You have to find that video. Yeah, I know. Seriously. It'd be on VHS or something of course, like that. Of course, but you can still convert And the teacups. Cause I remember them yeah, from when I was course, little. Of course. Um, I did go on space. Love Space Mountain. Me too. Loved it. Didn't realize it was a fucking roller coaster in the dark. So I get on it and it sort of goes, and I'm like, the fuck is this? <laughs> but um, that was because obviously I couldn't go on all those rides when I had my With, kids yeah, the first course, time. So I went on, on a lot of those rides the second time. So Toy Story Land at Disney World, okay. they've got the Slinky Dog roller coaster. And I'm not a roller coaster but person. But that was awesome. But that was awesome. That was really cool. Jez did the Incredicoaster and he said it was fucking insane. Amazing. Um, have, I've got a kind of get the balls for that one. So um, I'll do it with you one day. Yeah, we'll do it. That's I love, do. I'm well, like a kid. I reckon that we stuff. should do the LA one because it's my favourite. Yeah. And it's so cheap to get there. Yeah. On Qantas. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Qantas. Thanks, Qantas. Uh, okay. So I just want to say one massive thank you, not just for what you do because that's awesome and we've obviously established that, established that today, but more just for like owning who you are and I think it's so – Friggin' rare, and I love <laughs> that you did a TV interview about, I think it was about Ushies and the Lion King, but you wore a fucking Lion King T-shirt. I was yeah. like, this girl is my kind of human. I wore a themed outfit in Disneyland every day too. I know. I watched every story. <laughs> and you had Minnie Mouse ears. Yeah, and mate, you I've got so many ears. I've got a few ears too. I love it. And I and I just want to thank you for being the world's biggest goober with me because. That's it. Um, we're literally two goobers, aren't we? I, 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 every time we see each other, even though, even though there's gaps between it, we're like, oh, my fucking God, guess what fucking happened yesterday? I know. You know. Nothing changes. And I love that we're the kind of friends that even though we don't see each other, because that's a big part of like friendship, going back to relationships and yeah. is that you don't have to be in each other's pockets. It's and just like, got to be real. And, you know, you don't – just because you're friends with one person doesn't mean you got to be friends with a group of people. Nah. Like – Life's too short. Yeah. If you're not friends with your friends from high school, fucking who cares? If you can only count on one hand how many good friends you have that you trust. My mum taught me this when I was younger, when I thought that having hundreds of friends on Facebook was important. If you can count five people yep. on one hand in your life that you care about and that you trust – your kicking goals. You Your mum is a legend. Do you know what I learned last night? I do acting school and someone was saying a monologue and they said, we've probably got 50 to 60 years left of our life. Like life is short. Mm. That is only 2,500 weekends. Mm-hmm. So do not fucking waste them. Yeah. How crazy. Like yeah. life is short. Like go to every Disneyland, mate. Take the trips. Yeah. You know, like 
soak up every part of Japan. Don't worry about the superficial stuff. No. Like, you're in my house right now. Like, we've been renovating for six years. It's a pretty sick house, might I add. And we just do it as we can afford it. We don't take out loans. Like, I've had this dining table since before we moved in here. Like, I like it. I have Chic. pots in there that can't, that don't even have handles anymore that came from my uncle, like, as you know, just to help us out when we moved out. Because I'm like, it still does what it needs to do. The pot still works. Yeah. Like, don't fucking feel like you have to do it for anyone else. Don't you have just, to do it for the grand. Nah, you don't have do to do it. Do it for you. Yeah. And like I said, I never fucking wedding because I prefer to travel. I love that. I love that. I think your message is really clear. It's like just fucking figure out who you are. Yeah. Whether that be with therapy, be around cool fucking people while you're doing Duh, it. That's a huge one. You've got to be around people that not just um, – champion you though but also challenge you absolutely I think that's critical when I think of all my best friends they are happy to sit in the glory with me but they're happy to fucking backhand me and tell me when I'm out of line as well that's perfect because you can't just have people telling you how wonderful you are all the time so <laughs> I'm gonna tell you you are very wonderful <laughs> but <laughs> no 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 and I and gotta wrap up this podcast no not at all and I I want I just want to say thank you for being the real deal. It's been such an honour. So You're a thank you. I love you. I love you more. <laughs> it's a love fest. See you, beauty. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.